You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron, live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Welcome back, everyone, to more of the Greek's Gridiron. I am Ethan Haristadoulou, and today, with a week now having gone by since the beginning of all the free agency fun, I take a look at who I feel are currently winners and losers of free agency thus far. So, everyone from... Fans of teams I don't mention in this list, if your team is on the losing side of the list, if it's on the winning side of the list, comment down below. Let me know how you feel about your favorite team, about the teams I mentioned, about the teams I didn't mention. I want to hear all of your opinions. And please, don't take what I'm talking about too much to heart. They're just my personal opinions. And yes, I understand it is way too early to even be doing something like this, but it's always fun to give a quick hit. And we're a weekend now. All the really big signings and even some of the more smaller depth type of signings have been made. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of dive in and just kind of take a look at it at face value. So diving right in, we'll start off with a loser. So on a negative note here, and it really pains me to throw this team on here, but I just have a hard time not putting them on this list considering the amount of hits they have taken in terms of losses in free agency so far, and that's going to be the defending NFC champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. You have lost a laundry list of players in this free agent market, and there was even a a re-signing that kind of left me scratching my head a little bit because it could have potentially at least helped you in not losing a couple of much younger players and guys that could be around a lot longer if you don't make this resigning here. But I mean, let's just look at the list in terms of talent here. You're looking at defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, offensive tackle Andre Dillard, running back Miles Sanders, offensive guard Isaac Dumalo. You have linebacker TJ Edwards, safety Marcus Epps, linebacker Kaiser White, and safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, to name a few. And there are a handful of guys that are yet to be either re-signed or maybe move on elsewhere, but those are just some of the heavy hitters on the list that I have here. Now, a lot of these guys are either starters or just very big impact players on the team that were all young and really good pieces to this team that in some cases, I don't even really feel like got overpaid in the market and I really feel like you could have at least retained an extra guy or two if it wasn't for bringing back someone like center Jason Kelsey. And don't get me wrong. I know that some people are going to hear me say that and be like, oh, well, what the hell, Ethan? He's a leader of the team. And yes, he is, of course. And on top of that, he is an excellent center of that, arguably the best center in the league. And he was like this close to retiring this offseason before deciding to run it back for another year. I'm not discrediting Jason Kelsey by any means. However, to fork over $14.25 million for somebody that's only going to be there for one more year, and I know they're only on the books for him for this next season, but that is a lot of money, especially considering you have his, who's supposed to be heir apparent on your roster already, right behind him, backing him up. I just feel like if there was some way to get him for a little bit less Or if, you know, you just kind of tough out the loss and move on. Because, again, you're supposed to have the guy on the roster who you think is going to be his replacement ready to roll. I mean, if you don't re-sign him, that's $14 million in money that you could have allotted to even, like, two other guys. You look at, like, what Chauncey Gardner-Johnson re-signed for and, like, linebacker Kaiser White or, like, their linebacker TJ Edwards. Like, there are, like, two guys on that list of people you lost if you look at what they signed for elsewhere, and 
who knows? Maybe they took take like a million dollars or less or maybe a little bit more to stick around in Philly just because, you know, you don't have to worry about moving around and all the expenses of transferring from one city to another as an NFL player when you move from one team to another. You just, you lose two guys and that really hurts the roster overall to keep someone who, again, a lot of people were praising the rookie center that they had this past year. And I'm talking about Cam Jurgens. A lot of people were praising him this past offseason and, or, or, excuse me, not offseason, but preseason and into the season with wow, how good he looked in the action that he got. Man, it just pains me to see, you know, a couple of losses that you could have potentially kept because you're forking over so much money. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Jason Kelsey. He's a fantastic player, and it's good that he's back. He is, the, I would say, the leader on that offensive line, and he is one badass dude. On top of that, you were able to keep Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham as well, James Bradbury and Darius Slay. So it's not to say that like all is lost over there in Philadelphia, but I will say you took a massive hit with a lot of players leaving, and I'll be very curious to see how how they manage going into the rest of off the offseason if they are able to bring in anyone else maybe some just like cheaper depth pieces here and there but I do have a lot of faith in GM Howie Roseman to bring in some really good talent in this year's draft so while I have them as a loser free agency I don't really think all is lost and I'm not expecting a massive drop off from this team despite so much talent being let go but this could definitely hurt going into next year and this Eagles team is going to look vastly different from what we saw. Moving into my first winner of this list here, I am talking about the Detroit Lions. This is a team that has made some noise without having to throw around very much money in this free agency market. My biggest highlight for them is just filling the holes in that secondary that you so desperately needed to fill, and you didn't really break the bank doing it. Cameron Sutton, cornerback, he is very versatile. I've talked a lot about him so far this offseason. Highest average annual value of the signing group that they have so far for this year's free agency class at $11 million per year. Not bad at all, considering he's like your big ticket signing. You look at cornerback uh, Emmanuel Mosley. He basically got the prove-it contract that I was talking about with the San Francisco 49ers in a, in a pre-free agency video that I did not too long ago. Uh, and I said, you know, give him that prove-it deal. I think he's a really talented guy. They go and give him that contract they bring him in he is a really good talent and if he's able to bounce back from his injury that kept him out for pretty much all of last year I'll be excited to see how he fills in because I could expect if if all goes well his recovery goes well and he's back and ready to roll he could very well be a starter in a secondary that was nearly historically bad if it wasn't and then safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson signs that eight million dollar deal as well for the year I think that that's a really good building block for them if things go really well and he fits in with that system they've got to bring him in and keep him there I can't believe the Eagles didn't keep him I really wish they did again another one of those guys I was just talking about that you lost out on because you paid 14 and a quarter million for a center who is probably not even going to be there next year who knows but awesome signing there you look at linebacker Alex Anzalone and then on top of that running back David Montgomery some really good additions you're filling positions of need and adding depth to some pretty solid spots already as well and only fortifying those positions my only real concern with the Lions going into next year now is with all of these signings being really good and all you are going to be relying on a decent amount of these guys to probably be your starters from day one and based off the money they're making that's how you probably want things to go you're relying on a lot of new guys to come in and pick up your system and make things work. 
that typically doesn't bode super well when teams are picking in like teams will bring in a lot of players sometimes they're depth guys and then you get like a starter two here and there feels like the lions might have to rely a lot on a lot of their free agency signings at least the big ticket guys and that's always like it's a roll of the dice it's 50 50 either it's gonna go really well or it might take a guy a lot longer than you'd actually like him to to maybe pick up or maybe they don't even pick up the scheme and they don't pick up what they're supposed to be doing in terms of their job on defense and it, it especially on the defensive side of the ball and it doesn't go well so i like the signings on paper excellent job by the lions obviously though the concern of will all these signings pan out we'll just have to wait and see my next loser on this list here, and it really pains me to put them on here, but I'm going to have to do it to them, a team I grew up rooting for, the Indianapolis Colts. Not enough work is being done for this roster right now, and I just I don't really understand why. This is a team that has really needed to just kind of go through a rebuild for quite some time now, and watching them in the purgatory of you know, aging veteran or just some quarterback being picked up from somewhere else, like one man's trash is another man's treasure is kind of what it feels like the Colts have been living by since we've lost Andrew Luck over there in Indianapolis. I, I, and right now, I don't want to say that the Colts roster is in flux, but like it feels like you have some really talented guys and then like the rest of the roster is kind of like who's who or guys that might not even start and would be like depth rotational guys elsewhere. Or you have some guys that you've invested in that you just haven't quite gotten the returns that you'd want from them. You have a pretty good group of guys in the offensive line, albeit the line did not look nearly as good as it has been in the past. You got to fix that left tackle issue. And there were some really good tackles in free agency and the Colts have money to play with, with the expectation that you're going to be bringing in a rookie quarterback with the draft. Don't really know why they weren't willing to shell out money there. I understand you don't want to spend like crazy, but the Colts really haven't done anything at all. So, I mean, if there was one thing to go and spend money on, like, hell, go sign Orlando Brown. Don't let the Bengals go and get him. Like, why don't you just go and get him? It's clear that the Colts need that. So, without diving too much into my fandom there, uh, I've got to say, I just feel like there's not enough being done. You lost linebacker Bobby Okereke, uh, defensive end Yannick Ngakwe, who had 10 sacks last year. He's still sitting on the market. Not really sure why you haven't gone and brought him back in, considering you traded for him last year. Yes, you didn't really give up too much for him, but you went and made the move for him. What was the point of that to, for a one-year rental? Like, keep him around. He clearly fits the system you're running over there. You had 10 sacks this past year, double digit sacks, bring him back. What is like, what is the holdup here? I'm not really sure what, what that's all about. There is still a chance that maybe the Colts go and sign a person or two, but being a Colts fan, I, I feel like I, it's the same thing every single year. You kind of hope and hope and hope you never really get the big ticket signing. You're really hoping to see. And you know, I'm not going to sit here and argue whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing to do in free agency because you never really know. It's always hit or miss with these types of things, but I would just love to see Indianapolis make even just one splash. One splash is all I'm really asking for. And then on top of that, the trade of Stephon Gilmore, you got rid of him now, so you're kind of sitting on a... Is this a rebuild now? Are we going to see more big names get moved? Are we going to see like what's going to happen? You know, I feel like we're in a very weird state of flux in Indianapolis, and I'm just kind of waiting around to see what happens. And as somebody who, and I've mentioned this a lot, I grew up rooting for the Colts, die hard as as I got older. But um, these days, 
you know, I still root for them, want to see them be successful. Do I ultimately really care? Honestly, no. Uh, but it is disappointing to watch the team that I spent so much time pouring my heart into growing up just kind of struggle where they are right now. So let's, for me, hopefully something happens, but I don't know. I'm not going to really hold my breath on it. I'm just looking forward to seeing who the quarterback of the future is because, like I said, I feel like the Colts have been in kind of like a purgatory since they lost Andrew Luck, and it's about time they finally move on. At least that's what it feels like is going to happen, and I hope that is the case. Another winner that I have on the list here, and this one has just kind of, it's caught me a little bit by surprise, but also based off how their offseason was last year, I guess it really shouldn't be. The Miami Dolphins, I mean, my goodness, talk about swinging for the fences right now and making a statement that you want to compete in your AFC East division with the Jets potentially landing Aaron Rodgers now. And, and by potentially, I mean, it feels like it's like probably it's more than likely going to happen. It's just a matter of like, what are the Jets going to pay and what are the Packers going to ask for? And then you also look at signings like you know, your, the the signing of David Long, linebacker, on top of that, wide receiver Braxton Berrios. Those aren't guys that are going to, they aren't like right home type of guys, but they're solid pieces. And I really like Braxton Berrios. I think he's a good inside guy. So this is one of those like low key signings that I think will pair really well with the rest of the talent you have there. He doesn't need to be a star. He just needs to be able to work the inside of defenses for you. And that's what he's pretty good at doing. So you have a couple of good signings. You retain Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. This is a really, and I don't want to say like blow the doors off anybody type of free agency, but it's strong. And you go and you're seriously fortifying your defense now because it, for as good as the offense was when Tua was healthy in Miami, it felt like the defense really struggled. So to be able to bring in a guy like Jalen Ramsey, who maybe isn't, and this is not necessarily my opinion, I still think Jalen Ramsey's pretty damn good corner, but I know some people might think that he's, you know, toast and he's not quite what he used to be. Whether you want to argue that or not, Jalen Ramsey is an upgrade for that secondary, especially when you're pairing him alongside Xavier Howard. That is like a tandem of corners that are arguably the two best in the league, at least like as a tandem. So good luck with people throwing into that secondary, especially if you can really fortify your safety spots. I mean, good luck if you're dealing with Miami's secondary. I don't want to be the one responsible for figuring that out. I'm glad I'm not. But overall, when I was even trying to like pick out some negatives here, I, just, I don't really have too much to hate about what the Dolphins have done so far. They didn't really need to do a ton. You know, they, they've picked up the fifth year option for Tua Tagovailoa. So clearly they're all in on him now. I feel like that kind of silences the stupid Tom Brady talk of going to Miami. I don't think that's going to happen. And I really hope it doesn't. And, you know, maybe I'm putting my foot in my mouth and Brady unretires again for a second time, but I really don't think that's going to happen this time around. But we'll see. I hope not. I just really don't think it would be good in the long run for Miami. I think you need to just stick with Tua because when he was healthy prior to the whatever, like three concussions he had last year, Offense looked really good, and I think that the, the Dolphins were robbed of what could have been a really good season losing to us, so I'm really hoping that they are truly all in because right now, Miami feels like they can compete over there in the AFC East, and I really like what they've done so far. Not too much, but they've added a big piece and some solid additions. They've retained some good players for the team as well. Really good offseason and free agency start for the Miami Dolphins. Back to the losers here, uh, and this one is kind of a this one's a disappointing one because I was hoping to see some changes here, especially because you kind of have like you have a new head coach over there in Arizona and everything. The Arizona Cardinals, just things not really seeming to go too well for them right now. There's a lot of conversation going on regarding what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins and the fact that you're shopping him. 
for me, I wouldn't necessarily be too eager to do that, but it definitely sounds like teams are interested and the Cardinals are fielding those calls. I work in the New England sports media world, and uh, the conversation today was the fact that the Patriots private jet was seen flying out to Arizona to go and speak with DeAndre Hopkins and the representatives over there in Arizona. So is that something that's going to be happening? I don't know, but it just sounds like he's probably on the move. You couple that with your free agency has really been nothing besides just retention, just keeping some guys in house. And you bring in linebacker Kaiser White, who is a stud, big fan of his play. I really like him from Philadelphia. So really good signing there, but that's really the only thing you can be writing home about. If you're the Cardinals or if you are a Cardinals fan right now, I'd really love to hear your opinions on this and whether you agree or disagree or not. Uh, for me personally, I just feel like this is a team that has fallen off the last few years and has some had some really high expectations and has crashed and burned. I want to see them turn it around, and I would have liked to just see a little bit more coming from Arizona. Um, they do select number three of every round with their selection in the draft that they have picks in, so there is that upside to look forward to. So maybe that's more so their plan than anything else, coupled with the fact that while I did, you know, just speak negatively of trading DeAndre Hopkins, you do have the potential to net some solid compensation for him that opens things up in your books, and, you know, maybe it leads to a later free agent signing, but as of right now, the free agency just hasn't been too great. So, I would say a loser of free agency. Do I think you've lost the entire offseason? Absolutely not. There's still a whole draft to go through. And when you're picking so high, you have potential to bring in some really good talent. You pick at number three in the first round, you could end up moving that selection to a team that really wants a QB. Maybe the Colts jump up one pick to go to number three to make sure they land a guy that they may really like. And then on top of that, you're looking at you know, maybe you're getting a selection or two in the first round, or maybe like a, a mid to late-ish selection in the first round, then a couple of second round picks. Things could look brighter as we kind of see things unfold. But right now, for free agency's sake, not really a big fan of what the Cardinals have done. And then for my final winner, I've got three winners and three losers on this list. So my final winner and this was a little bit of a surprising one because I feel like just uh, like a week ago, people were not really high on where they were in terms of just like the roster setup, but they've had a pretty good group so far brought in here. And considering you're picking number one overall in the draft, I kind of like the direction the Panthers are right now. I'm not going to sit here and act like they've had the sexiest of free agencies, but when you look at some of their signings, it, when you're prepping to bring in a number one overall quarterback, they're actually doing some pretty solid work right now. I know that there was a lot of questions going on about the trade for, for like moving on from DJ Moore and how that hurts whoever they're bringing in. And I've seen people call their receiving core one of the worst in the NFL right now next to like the Houston Texans and, it, you know, a couple other teams. But overall, they've done a pretty solid job kind of making up for that loss of DJ Moore. You go and sign Adam Thielen, who I'm not going to sit here and act like is 25 years old. Yes, he is 32. He's on the wrong side of 30 and he's aging, but still a savvy veteran who's got excellent hands. Somebody that I wouldn't mind pairing a rookie quarterback up with to have him as like a security blanket. On top of that, you go and get running back Miles Sanders, really impressive guy from Philadelphia. I was a big fan of him while he was over there and to see him move on somewhere and get paid the money he deserves. Excellent signing again, I would say by uh, by the Carolina Panthers. On top of that, tight end Hayden Hurst, a shorthanded guy. He might not be the most explosive or sexy tight end in the league in terms of athleticism, but I like his hands. Him and Burrow had a pretty solid connection. You maybe didn't get as many yards and touchdowns as you would have liked out of there, 
but it's Cincinnati. You got a trio of really good wide receivers. You also have a really good running back, or at least had a really good pairing of running backs in Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. So, you know, you can only you can only send the ball in so many places at once. I think that Hayden Hurst going to Carolina, he might see a little bit more action. Carolina also, you know, a team that is known for having a a look or not a look, I guess I should say, uh, you know, they like their tight ends. You could think of guys like Greg Olson in the past, guys that had some pretty good success over there. I feel like Hayden Hurst could fill in that role nicely over there in Carolina. And then you look at them bringing in a veteran quarterback to back up whoever the rookie is going to be in Andy Dalton. Whether, whether you love Andy Dalton or not, this is a guy who at one point was fighting his way through the playoffs year after year after year in Cincinnati. He's been a somewhat of a journeyman the back half of his career now, but He's seen his fair share of starts here and there. I feel like if I was to pick a veteran quarterback to kind of help teach and help like acclimate a rookie to the NFL, I would probably pick Andy Dalton to do it. I feel like that's like this. It makes a lot of sense. And for $5 million a year, it's like a two year, $10 million deal. Like why not? That makes perfect sense to me. I really like that signing. So Overall, it feels like the Panthers have done a really good job kind of at least beginning to set up their offense for whoever their rookie quarterback is going to be. I would expect them to maybe target a top tier or at least the top or highest tier wide receiver they can possibly grab in the draft to shore up the receiving core because, again, not necessarily the most stellar right now, but Adam Thielen was an excellent addition there. But if you get a guy in the second round who's fairly talented, Panthers are picking somewhat high in the second round. You could nab somebody decent there that maybe slips out of the first round. I I, I don't... I. I don't really see how you could sit here and say the Panthers aren't having a good free agency. I really like what they're doing. Now, the free agent class is slightly older than maybe you'd want to see, but you're bringing experience around guys that are going to be fairly young coming into this group here. So it kind of makes sense. You know, you, you go through free agency, you get some somewhat aging vets. I believe the the average age is like roughly 29, almost 30 years old out of some of the free agents they've already signed because you have like Adam Thielen, Von Bell, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hirsch, Shai Tuttle, Andy Dalton kind of pushes that number up being like 35. But this is not like the sexiest of free agent classes. Again, I have already kind of mentioned that as it is in terms of athleticism with guys being aging or just who they are as players. And on top of that, versatility is a little bit concerning. But again, you could go after a guy in the draft early in that second round there. And everyone you signed is pretty solid, at least, I would say. You can at least argue that. So I like what the Panthers have done. Really impressed. But those are my winners and losers of free agency thus far. Again, a lot can happen between now and the regular season. None of this might even matter post-draft, but it's always fun to kind of look at things and get give a quick reaction, again, at face value and just kind of see where teams are a week into free agency. Let me know. Do you agree? Do you disagree with things I talked about? Any other teams you think I did not mention here that maybe you think should be on this list instead of another team? All that and more, I would love to hear all of your opinions. But that's it for me. I appreciate you watching and making it all the way to the end of the video. I will see you all next time. Have a good one.